0: Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Green Me Outdoors podcast. My name's Kyle.
1: I'm AJ. I'm Ryan.
0: And we are joined by Jared. And right now, this is round two. You guys didn't see the first one because Ryan forgot to press record for Jared. So it's my if bad. our conversation sounds like we're rushing through the beginning of it, it's because we already lived it once. But don't hold it against us. But Jared, thanks for joining us, man.
2: Hey, appreciate it, Kyle. AJ, Ryan, good to be uh, chatting with you guys. I always... Uh... Always take pleasure in sitting down while we're chatting, hunting, fishing, uh, products, whatever it may be. You guys are as good as they come. So appreciate wow. you having me on and uh, chatting chatting through a little bit of Onyx, a little bit of hunting, and whatever else we might cover here today.
0: Thanks, brother. Much yeah. appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for those of you who don't know what Onyx is, I'm going to start off by saying what I use it for. So it's a mobile application. You can get it on your iPhone. You can get it on Android. And basically, you use the mapping system to find out where you are in the world or who owns a piece of property you're looking at. And I use it for hunting and fishing. So I use it to find public lands, like where where is the public and private boundaries when I'm going trout fishing, when I'm going hunting. Um, the other cool feature about it is <clears throat> you can see who owns a piece of property. So we're going to be filming a vlog coming up for uh, goose hunting, where we're gonna, just going to straight use OnX. It's going to be like an OnX commercial when it's all done because basically what we're going to do is drive around, find out where the geese are, find out what fields they're in and then find out who owns it on on x go up to them and ask them you know if we can have permission to hunt most people don't mind you killing geese a lot of people have problems with deer but geese it, you normally get away with it
1: yeah it's funny the, the people people <gasps> if it has hair people tend to care more nice but as soon as it
0: has feathers or like kill, scales kill those no one things cares. yeah exactly um and then the other cool thing is not only can you see who owns it you can see where they live because it doesn't always like, if you're up north and you're looking at a piece of property and you click on it and it's like, oh, the owner actually, their main address is in Clinton Township down south. Well, then you can call them and find out if you can have access that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I love it. You used it recently, too, for something else. Yeah, when we were house hunting, I uh, we were looking at a house on five
1: acres, and I it it tracks you as you walk around. The app tracks you as you walk around, so I was walking the perimeter of the property because I can see the property lines on the app, and just to get a good – like visual of what the property looked like so yeah we didn't buy the house but
0: at least i know <laughs> what the property looks like now they cool you had th- a fun walk yeah you were one of your little games was when you bought your house you were just kept checking to see when on x would update uh, that, yeah, you d- that. Oh, that you were the new owner you were the new owner are, I kept, are, you, are I, you in there now i'm in there now yeah. right. I, I kept checking out, so i just wanted my name on the house it was yeah cool um but the other thing too is it has an offline feature which is key so if let's say you're going out anywhere hunting you can download maps for the areas and download them to your phone and then the the the, where you are on the map still works even without internet but you need the map so you can download it directly to your phone in the app and then see where you are even if you don't have cell service which is key but that's kind of the top level like rough sketch of how we use it but for someone who doesn't know what onyx is how do you explain it jared the
2: very rudimentary level it's digital plat map right and so like with the hunt app there's there's two options that you can purchase well i guess as of recently three so you can buy the premium single state membership if you just live in michigan or you just live in florida 30 bucks and you get all of the data for that state uh we just actually introduced a two state option where for 45 bucks you can get two states if you live in wisconsin but you also hunt in minnesota you know that product's then for you and then our elite membership covers all 50 states um, but the cool part of Elite is the, the value goes way beyond just the, the property ownership data. You also have access to a pile of pro deals from, the you know, our most trusted industry partners, as well as a bunch of free education. Um, you get access to some exclusive webinar type content. Uh, and so the, the Elite product certainly has the most value. Um, but to mention a few of my favorite features beyond what these guys mentioned, like the tracker. Um, being able to turn that on when you're when you're tracking a deer you shot or when you're scouting for geese, so you know every single road you drove and e- even as importantly the roads you didn't drive. Um, I use the tracker a ton. As Kyle mentioned, offline, you know, like it, it wouldn't be a viable product without the ability to use it without service because so often where you're hunting you don't have service. Um, another one we're we're adding a bunch of aerial imagery options. So our our base imagery is. You know, anywhere from one to three years old, as you can imagine, aerial imagery is wildly expensive to to source. Um, And so we've started to get creative and sourcing imagery from individual states that, you know, sometimes they fly it for tax purposes to measure roof square footage and things of that nature. So we have started to try to get creative to source more recent aerial image uh, options for folks. And so... We now have recent imagery which is updated every two weeks it's a lower resolution imagery um but that also has historic look back so you can see water level change you can see the snow line you can see a tornado that went through um things of that nature we're working on leaf off imagery we have it for 15 states currently um and trying to source you know we're going to certainly try to get it to the point where every white tail quote unquote white tail state has leaf off imagery obviously not as important if you're in Montana or something like that. But when you're in Michigan or Mississippi, having that leaf off um, base map just allows you to see uh, a much clearer picture. Um, and then another innovative one that we came out with fairly fairly recently is, is 3D. Um, but to add to that, the 3D elevation exaggeration. So, you know, if you're in the Midwest or you're in the South where topography, you know, 20 feet is a lot of elevation change. Using that elevation exaggeration slider essentially just wildly distorts that elevation change so it becomes very visual on your map and as you guys know if there's a five foot elevation change with a little ditch those deer know that that's there and they are going to use it to to their advantage and so being able to discover those things um before you set boots on the ground and and when you're at home is just wildly advantageous even if it's your own property like i I hunt quite a few pieces of of private ground uh across the country that I've hunted for multiple years. And every single year when I'm looking before I go back, I, I find some nuanced detail. I was like, oh shit, I've like walked right by that spot on a number of occasions, but I never noticed this, that, or the other thing. So, um, and and I mean as as Ryan alluded to, I mean, the options for usage go so far beyond hunting. I actually used it on my house hunt recently. Nice. I talked to tons of contractors um that use it um you know for contacting leads or ensuring you're showing up to the right house uh i mean th- there's so many folks real estate obviously as you can imagine is it's used there a ton um we offer a seven-day free trial so if you haven't used on hunt go to your app store search it download it check it out
1: yeah i
0: mean the price is not expensive for what you're getting either no when, when it becomes like the most used tool that we have for hunting like, I
1: was so excited when they announced CarPlay. When you guys said that you, your CarPlay oh, yeah. was coming, it was the best.
2: So here's one for you. What do you actually do with CarPlay?
1: So with someone like me, I upland bird hunt. In northern Michigan, you're driving from spot to spot to mm-hmm. spot. And if you're doing that, I can you can, rather than pulling your phone out and, and doing the whole phone and driving deal, you can just quickly glance down at it. A buddy of ours was using an iPad that he had mounted up, but then now since then he's been able to revert over to CarPlay. So there are applications for it.
0: Yeah, and we're sponsored by RAM, but RAM is what we all drove before we were sponsored by RAM. But we're sponsored by RAM, so we have that screen that's like this big. Dude, it's killer. So when you're driving around in new spots, it's so nice to be able to do that. The other thing is too... Like, if you're on your cell phone in Michigan, you're going to get pulled over if you get caught doing something like that, too. Like, if you're playing yeah. on your phone, you're going to get pulled over. Um, granted, not necessarily where we're hunting, but, you know, it's not something you want. So, it's Tabila. That's what I have up in my car all the time now. Yeah. So.
2: I'm I'm too broke to have a, a sweet Dodge Ram with a 25-inch TV screen in it. <laughs> yeah. so I personally don't have the, the luxury of using CarPlay, but. Uh, when I am in rigs with CarPlay, like my girlfriend has a 2021 20, truck that has CarPlay, and if I'm going to the grocery store, I turn Onyx yeah. on in CarPlay. I don't know why. Like I just like to look at it as I'm driving, I guess. Yeah. Um, what? Well, I... Because like so often, I don't really have a real application for it. It just feels nice to have up there.
0: Dude, I have applications for it all the time. Like you drive back. Like the other day, I was like. Is that where Ryan's ex girlfriend lives? And I just clicked on the thing and saw it wasn't <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like That's like funny. like stuff like that. Like why you're dry? Like, dude, I I find myself obsessive. So where we live in Michigan, we're in a town called Fenton, and we call it the center of the world because everyone seems to know about it. We love this place. You've got your main downtown area where you've got all your cool classic restaurants and bookstores, and the Fenton Hotel Restaurant and the Fenton Fire Hall Restaurant, and you know like all these cool things. There's a waterfall downtown there's a river that goes through and they do uh, concerts in the park. And then like the other side of Fenton, you've got your like your Walmarts and all the other stuff that you need. Everything besides that is farmland or lakes. We have like 30 lakes inside of 15 miles or something like that. So you're always like either as soon as you're out of town, you're like looking at geese, looking at deer, looking at turkeys, looking at this, looking at lakes, whatever. Oh, there's ducks over there. Can we hunt that? Is there blah, 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 blah. Like he found a little pond that was off a stretch of state land that is like in a neighborhood. And we're like mapping out like, well, you'd be 450 feet away from that. And yeah. then, dude, it comes up all the time. I can't not have it. And then like when we're going, <coughs> especially when we're on road trips. And it's funny because everywhere we go, we're in a different Ram, but they're all the exact same truck. So we feel like we're always in our truck, but we're not in our mm-hmm. truck. And everywhere we go, like we'll be doing road trips. We are just in New Mexico and we're looking like, oh, there's a bunch of pronghorn there. Is that public? Is that state? Is that this? Is that can we use our license? Dude, I, we use it all the time in CarPlay. Yeah,
2: all the time. I just laugh at the amount of people that I know that use it when they are not hunting, <coughs> even though they're just like driving around looking at yeah Ryan's ex-girlfriend's house yeah. or you know Bob down Chick the street. Chick was crazy. Do they yeah. always keep walking in his golden retriever. Right. Uh, I, yeah. No, I just I I think it's awesome how widely it's utilized but i also find it hilarious how many people use it for you know seemingly no purpose while driving around in february they're still pulling up onyx carplay it's just one of those features that's super sticky and once you start using it it's like hard not to have it on the lcd screen
0: 100 percent you're always kind of hunting i will tell you too to to your point too it's not that we're not broke it's that we get that truck for free
2: (laughs) i know i know 100 for that truck yeah
0: truck. yeah exactly exactly yeah no but dang is it sweet if i was
2: gonna buy a truck though it really would be that um I- here's a hot tip for you on the pond that that you found so a tool that nobody really knows about for that exact use case if you drop a waypoint on that pond tap that waypoint there's a range radius tool that you can add to any waypoint. so if you got to be 200 yards from a dwelling you can tap that range radius, set it to 200 yards, and it'll show you a radius around your waypoint of, like, 200 yards exactly in any direction. Had to, had to drop that little knowledge bit in there.
0: No, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, I, I like that. Um, another thing, too, this is a little bit off topic and not one of the things we said we are going to talk about is I, I kind of explained the guys your, your life story is a bit of winning the lottery. Where you were, so you got right out of college, and then you signed up with Onyx right away when they were tying. And then you just grew with it. Like, you hit the freaking jackpot for careers, man.
2: Yeah, I, uh, this is the only, you know, quote-unquote real job I've ever done <laughs> um, after college. As you said, I, I started in customer support. Um, so, you know, like, when I came out here, I had used Onyx, like, religiously my last couple of years of college in twenty. I guess that would have been 2016, 2017. Um, and then I just saw a job posting. I wanted to move west. Uh, it was in Missoula, an area, you know, there's three rivers running through town, like resident elk tags. I was like, yep, that should do. Yeah. Um, so, I love you know, resident I, elk I spent-
0: tags and trout. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, uh, and so the first nine months, you know, I was I was doing the, the customer service thing, which looking back on it, you know, like it wasn't necessarily my dream job to be on the phone all day helping people download apps and you know learn about it (laughs) but it's helped me a ton in my marketing role to understand our customer um you know to the nth degree in fact like every fall i still sit on uh, a number of customer support calls just to make sure that you know i'm I'm still on track and haven't lost touch with who our consumers are the problems they're facing and, and that type of thing um but yeah. I, I tell you what, if you, uh, if you don't know what to do, uh, for college, as most young kids don't just go someplace and get resident deer tags or something.
1: Wait, where were you from originally?
2: Uh, I was from Wisconsin. Um, but <laughs> I have, uh, an aunt and uncle that, you know, owned uh they own a farm in Iowa that they're wildly gracious in, in letting, um, me hunt. And so I had no idea what I wanted to do at the age of, you know, 17, 18, whatever it was. And, I just was like, well, I could get Iowa deer tags every year for thirty bucks for four years. That sounds pretty good. So I went uh, went to school in Ames, Iowa and deer hunted a lot.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: That is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too, like
0: the people that are happiest in their careers like like us, like you, like it would have been tough to like as a kid be like, here's what I'll do. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you kinda gotta let God mess with it a little bit and put you in the right situation
2: well most people as a kid are like i want to be a pro athlete i want to be a i mean i was like i'm gonna be a professional hunter yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know there's like freaking maybe fifty thousand people that get to hold that job you know you're like hey you'll
0: have enough meat guy but i don't know about money (laughs) you know uh out of uh i i I just like that story is like how you ended up starting there working your way up through the company and now you're running the marketing and stuff like that and you've been super professional and easy to go hold of and one of our favorite partners for sure um moving on to planning hunts like you were planning uh, uh hunts in iowa for planning hunts i went to the website and you look at on and there's ways to do research and also plan your future hunts right now talk to us about that so people can do that because that's that's something i run into a lot when i talk to people is like issues they have they're like hey man you know, I oh, I'd like to go do that hunt, or oh, I wish I could go do a hunt like that, or where do you suggest we go for elk or where should I go for moose? And yeah, we uh got
3: it yesterday with the guy dropping off one know. Yeah,
0: I mean the guy that <laughs> dropped off our gun safe, which is sitting in the yard because we didn't know eight hundred pounds is that heavy. <laughs> dude, dude, it is like you gotta come hang out with us one day. It literally is just like us hanging out every day. But the they dro- they brought a safe to us that we got from Bass Pro and we were like pumped about it and they dropped it off and it turns out eight hundred pounds is pretty damn heavy. And now we don't even know if our steps in our basement can handle it. So we had to hire some guy that has some hydraulic thing. So we didn't have any way to cover and it. It's snowing here. So we had to go buy a tarp and wrap it. So it's just sitting in our yard. <laughs> bought a tarp that was 80 feet by 90 feet. He said, get a big tarp. 30 by 20 is a little too big. But we'll use it for other stuff. We can cut it.
2: I think the hardest part of it all is, is getting started, right? Like so many, whether you go to Colorado's fishing game site or Idaho's or Arkansas's, like they all have a level of difficulty to them because they're well uh to be frank government ran organizations and so like navigating and understanding all of the different preference points or the stamps you need um you know it's it's really muddy if it's not something that you've done before and so often people are left like having a lack of confidence that they bought the right thing 100 percent um and so you know we saw that years ago and so with our elite membership you have access to um hunt and fool who is basically a a consultation service that is there to help you understand you know for for your budget for your interests here's the hunts that you know we feel would be a good fit for you um you know they have they have like requirements of all their employees that they have to spend like 45 days in the field. Each fall, they have to hunt like three States in three different species. Um, so like when you contact somebody at hunting fool, you're not talking to some fool, some person on the, that's never set foot in the woods. You're talking to somebody that's like a killer. Um, and so they do a really good job at helping you understand the lay of the land. You get their uh e-magazine free, which basically their magazine covers all of the uh the primary western <laughs> states, which the western states are really the hard ones to figure out. Like if you want to sure. go deer hunting in Alabama, you pretty much pay your 350 bucks for the 7-day all game license and you go have at it. Or you know, Wisconsin or Michigan, like it's not hard to get a white-tailed deer tag or a turkey tag largely speaking it's the elk tags the mule deer tags the antelope tags you know mountain goat that's the stuff that's really challenging and so hunt and fool was really like our first foray into helping people break that information down digest it and figure out what's possible for them so highly highly recommend um checking out our elite membership or if you're already an elite member go check out the hunt and fool um, benefit that's free as an elite member there's no additional cost uh, and so really take advantage of that resource. And then a couple of years ago, we acquired a service called top Rut, and top Rut basically specialized in draw odds data. And so getting an understanding of your budget and what you want to hunt and all that good jazz and where you want to go as a, as a state generality is the first step. But the second step, as you guys now know, in today's day and age, drawing a tag is not an easy task. Um, gone the days of buying an over-the-counter elk tag, pretty much like Colorado still has that opportunity, but outside of that, there really is no true over-the-counter elk tag available. Um, and so we distilled the top rut draw odds into our own tool, which actually just launched today, January 23rd, as we're recording this conversation, um, called Hunt Research Tools. So, if you go to the onxmaps.com website and then click on the the hunt app, uh, you'll actually see Hunt Research Tools as kind of the main pancake banner there. And what that's doing is it basically allows you to filter what you're interested in. Okay, I'm interested in hunting elk in Colorado. And then, you know, let's say you have zero points, you input that and it kind of lays out, okay, at zero points, like your really only option is over the counter tags. Well, if you input okay i have three points you know futuristically looking three years from now after you buy points with the help of hunt and fool understanding the process all that good jazz then it'll tell you okay there's like seven gmu's where your draw odds with three points for first rifle season is 65 well if you want to do third rifle season it goes up to 80 percent because now you're in november it's going to be snowy it's going to be miserable less people are interested So that tool really just allows you uh, to understand the scope of what you need to do in order to work backwards from your hunt to figure out what you need to do in subsequent years before you actually get to go on that hunt, because that's the reality. If you wanna hunt the West, if you wanna hunt mule deer, elk, um, antelope, you can certainly get tags a little bit more often in Wyoming in particular. But most of those species, I mean, it's going to take a couple years of point collection and planning to make it happen. So if you want to do it, you better start today.
0: Yeah, I think that's so key because that's such a tool for people to be able to start with because, like I said, the guy yesterday was like, where should I go if I ever wanted to get a moose tag? And going through that process and like...
2: Tell that guy. (coughs) It's Alaska.
0: Yeah. Because (laughs) if you want
2: a moose tag in the lower 48, good luck.
0: Right. Good luck is very right. true. We be yes, very lucky. We scored. I know, dude. It's so funny, and people think we got like preferential treatment, but freaking Jeffrey pulled a moose tag his first time in the state of Maine in this area. They pulled two non-residents out of thousands. Somebody's got to win, right? Yeah, and we won it, and everyone's like, "That's crap." It's because they have a show and blah, blah blah. I'm like, "It is not. It's not that. That kid." He's been like that our whole life, though. He'll win the most random shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always been the winner There's always of stuff. that kid. There's a girl in our grade who was like that won
1: everything for no reason. It made me He's so mad. Always been on <laughs> free books at the book and fair.
2: what you just mentioned, Kyle, is a very important caveat that uh, with a little bit more research can go a long way. Like Maine Moose. Maine Moose is an absolute lottery. Yeah. Like your dad has been applying for a moose tag for 30 Years and I apply for the first time this year, me and him have the same odds. Right. Um, And so I I would say, like, that is maybe the most important thing to research and understand is, like, which states are based on, you know, bonus or preference points. Some states do both, which those in and of themselves are, like, an entire podcast episode to understand what those things mean. We have that in Michigan
0: with Bear. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but then there's other states where, you know, you put your name in the hat and it is equal odds for everybody. And so, like, point creep, which essentially can be described as because of us right here and the hundreds, thousands of other people also raising awareness of, like, hey, these hunts are possible, you just have to do them. Well, that's obviously incited thousands, tens of thousands of more people (laughs) to apply for the same amount of tags that were there 10 years ago as
0: long as they're Um, using on x i'm fine with it though (laughs) so
2: like it's it's getting incrementally more difficult to get enough preference points bonus points to draw a tag in a reasonable period of time so like just figuring out which states have a true lottery system like maine idaho um alaska I think there's a couple others, but I'm going to be wrong if I start mentioning more states. Yeah, the ones I'm super confident in Um, but like finding which ones have a lottery system where it's like I don't have any points, but I still want to try to shoot a moose or a goat or something in my lifetime. I mean, that's super important information to go in with because, you know, if you just start buying points in Wyoming, you probably would have been better off playing the lottery in Idaho at this point in time.
0: Right. You know, it's interesting you say that, too, and I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. Because some information that just came out, I want to say it's every, um, every zone in Michigan for the first time had less deer harvested than the year before. Every single zone was down. I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't every zone, but I looked at the map, and I believe it was completely all the same color. So you're getting so many less deer harvested, and all the news reports – and I was interviewed by CBS on this exact topic – Uh, they're they're claiming and the DNR is claiming it's because of lack of hunters involvement so hunter participation is going down and it's so interesting because we see that everywhere right now is that we see that the hunting participation is going down and one of our big calling cards that we talk about is 60 percent of hunting and fishing licenses are sold to white males over the age of 55 in our state and that's a pretty good representation in other states as well well what happens in 10 to 15 years because the sale of hunting and fishing licenses is what pays for our species sustainability efforts. It's what pays for our anti-poaching efforts, our fish stocking efforts, our forests, and what's what paid for our national parks. All these different things, right? So we see hunter numbers going down. But yet, if you talk to, and it's a perfect thing, I know you guys work with Steve Rinella, you look at Steve Rinella versus his brother's opinions are <laughs> widely different, right? So they hate each other, apparently. But their opinions are different. You got one guy saying, you know, I have all these new people hunting my areas and then you get the other guy saying, We need hunter participation and look in ten to twelve years from now, when that huge drop off takes place, what are we in for? And his brother's a hypocrite anyways, because he's been on Steve Renell's T V show ten times and now he wants to bitch, but besides the point, um, so then you you look at it and it's like, Okay, so you've got all these people with participation saying it's going down. The DNR is saying that, license sales are saying that, and it's gonna get really bad in ten years. But then if you go to a managed waterfall area in Michigan and I go to Harsons Island and they have they have 40 good zones but 100 zones total and there's 150 parties there. When I used to go when I was a kid, there was only 70 parties. Wait a second. What's going on? And then you talk about like what you just said. You know, we didn't even say that we were going to talk about this, but you let in by saying like now if you want to get in a lottery, it's hard. There's still the same amount of tags as there were 10 years ago, but it's so much harder to get it. And it's because of the raised awareness. So my question is, this is my hypothesis, and I could be wrong. Because both, it seems like, can't be right, right? Well, you can't have less hunters, but then there's more hunters. You can't have both. Here's my hypothesis, is that the hunters that are involved now are more involved.
2: Meaning, like,
1: Mm, you're seeing them more often in the field.
2: I mean, my take on that is, like, if you look 10 years ago i this is funny i was just talking to uh my dad and uncle about this yesterday because montana just implemented a proposed new change to our upland season um based on resident feedback which kudos to montana for hearing resident feedback i appreciate that as a resident and based on resident feedback they proposed that non-residents cannot upland bird hunts the first 15 days of the season. September 1 through 15, <coughs> reserved for residents only because there was so much non-resident pressure in those first 15 days of season that, you know, residents were, were up in arms. Like, there's a bunch of blue players from Minnesota and North Dakota, and everybody's coming over here to get an early start. And so, just as you said, there's a lot, I mean... What are your thoughts on so that? What were, what were your thoughts on that 15 day thing? As a resident, I put a comment in and said, "Thank you for standing up for the people that put the most money in your pockets and that live here and pay taxes here." Like, I appreciated that. I don't really care about upland bird hunting. I don't have an upland dog at this point. Maybe like when I'm 60. How's your, How's your lab doing? How's your lab doing? Uh he he's good, man. I uh that's a whole different rat hole that would be you know, <laughs> ten minutes crying about my dog's elbow dysplasia. Uh, <laughs> but, but so I appreciated it and my feedback was I'll be waiting for, for the same regulations for elk and deer hunters. Um, because I mean you go out on the opening weekends of rifle season in Montana. And I mean, I could be fooled that every single person that lives in this damn state is hunting. It is insane how hard it is to find a trailhead or a parking spot on public land that doesn't have multiple trucks. Um, And so I 100% agree with your hypothesis. Like, hunter numbers might be dwindling slightly. I think in 10 years, when the baby boomers fall off and, you know, really age out of hunting, we might see something more detrimental as far as number drop off but i think those that are still hunting because of tools like onyx and shows like you know the greenway outdoors it's incited more people to be like oh man why have i never hunted the state over or why have i never gone west and experienced an elk hunt and so i think just the availability of information that's easily discoverable has absolutely led to the people that are participating in hunting are hunting more days than ever, they're hunting more species than ever, and they're hunting you know more states than ever. And it's very clear on the number of applicants in the Western states. I mean, you look at states like Mississippi, as a non-resident, you can't even go hunt a turkey on public land without drawing a tag. Um, Kansas just implemented a quota on their turkey tags, and it's like a draw now. I mean, even Nebraska, which like for my whole life, Nebraska has been begging people to come turkey hunt. Like they use their like outdoors Nebraska or whatever their, sure. their um you know commission is called. Ours I mean, is pure every Michigan <laughs> year for as long as I can remember. Is like we have turkey opportunity. It opens in March for archery. Come hunt birds. You can buy three tags. And now they have a quota on turkey tags because too many people went there hunting. <laughs> And I think, like, COVID really incited that, which I'm guessing you guys can agree with that. In that 2020 year, the amount of people hunting everything was nuts. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Doesn't Alaska have the early sockeye run before res- before non-resident?
0: Uh, it's something with natives. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I okay. think it is resident. I think there's something with natives, something with residents, which are different. Okay. And then— None. Yeah, okay. I don't quote me on that, but there's something to there was that. Something that was there was a lit, and the other thing was dipping, dip netting. Yeah. Like the Native Americans were able to the Eskimo, not Eskimo. Can you say it? I don't know. I don't think so. No, no. Okay, I don't know. I th- the Native Americans were able to dip net, and yep. either before or that's something like a tactic we can't even use that they can use. The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Basque Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Savage Arms, better, comes standard. Nozzler ammunition, world's finest bullets, ammunition, and brass. Boss Shot Shells, Superior Made, and American Made. Carlson's Choke Tube's the only choke tube we've ever purchased. On X-Hunt, where you stand.
3: If you want to be here, it all starts. At Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, we have the widest selection of the quality brands you love to get you outdoors. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, our friendly, knowledgeable outdoors will help you find the right products for your next trip. Shop with confidence with our low price guarantee. Plus, club members save even more on great gear with exclusive member pricing. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, voted America's best out.
2: There's a Ram. Legends aren't born, they're created. Introducing Impulse from Savage. The all
0: new American-made straight-pull bolt-action rifle. Unmatched innovation, fast reloads, maximized efficiency, repeatable accuracy. Welcome to American Straight-Pull. Only from Savage.
1: Going back to, like, this theory of, like, hunters being in the field more often now, but they're being less hunters, I wonder if it's, like, goes deeper than that, where it's, like, a deeper psychological thing. I wish Jordan Peterson was here. Where it's,
0: like, me too. <laughs> you know, that'd be sick. <laughs> yeah. if, if you, no offense, you're a good guest, too, but Jordan Peterson would be <laughs> badass to have everybody here. <laughs> um, yeah, you
2: guys get way more listeners. <laughs>
1: If it's like something like the type of person that hunts is seeking adventure, we're seeing people kind of move out of like this corporate America mindset where it's like, I need my money, I need to work, right. I need to grind at all times. And if I have money, I'm buying stuff. Whereas people are now moving into this thing where it's like, well, i rather spend my money on experience. <coughs> so they're not buying a bigger house. They're going and doing things. So I wonder if that's like an element of that. It really could be.
2: I think a hundred percent and like social really incites that, right? Like you see Kyle posting about some bison hunt. He was on on Instagram and you're like, Holy shit. That dude's like 30. How is he doing that? Like (laughs) if he's doing that, I can do that. And I go figure it out. Right. I mean, just the amount of information that is fingertippy because of on X, because of (laughs) social media, because of, you know, whatever it may be. Doing this stuff is so, so easy compared to trying to do it 20 years ago.
0: The one good thing about it, though, is if people are more passionate about it, they're more defensive about it because there's really no way to look at it where it's not those numbers aren't going to dwindle because they're already dwindling. Right. So you look at we were talking about covid, um, but you you saw where the numbers went up and now you're seeing them go back down because covid kind of settled everything out. I even think to jump back that the deer numbers, the deer harvest numbers being so low this year actually plays into our hypothesis. And here's why. Because the people that go up and hunt for three or four days a year that buy a majority of our hunting licenses in Michigan. So the way Michigan's broken up is you've got like, everybody has like 10, 20, 40, or 80 private acres that they go up and hunt up north or they hunt state land. But for the most part, Everyone has like 10 or 20 acres that's theirs. They go up for four or five days a year, and they do everything they can to make that piece of property as attractive to deer as possible. They go up for four or five days. And as the numbers dwindle, there's less people that do that. It's like the the deer hunters are like the core of the people that only hunt four or five days a year Yeah, for us in Michigan. And their numbers are lower. So it plays into the fact that less deer were harvested because those numbers are lower. In addition to that, uh, we have a bait ban on effect in Michigan right now that may also be messing with that. It's an absolutely insane uh, law that was passed. They said they did it because of chronic wasting disease. So keep in mind, there's millions of apple trees in Michigan. So the idea that moving some apples from under a tree a little bit closer to your deer stand creates chronic wasting disease is an irresponsible, stupid way to think. In addition to that, it's a prion that lives in the ground. You're also having to assume that deer aren't social animals, which is insane, meaning they're not licking each other and they're not t- touching each other and they're not going to licking branches, all those different things. You're saying all of that doesn't happen and that by putting bait out, you're causing deer to interact where otherwise they wouldn't, spreading chronic wasting disease, which isn't even really a proven thing here in Michigan. Except, like, it, There's so many holes in that. It's insane. Yeah. And the biggest problem with it is it's causing us to harvest less deer the problem with us harvesting less deer is that is spreading chronic wasting disease or would spread spread chronic wasting disease more because of overpopulation so now they're complaining about overpopulation while there's a there's like a hole in the argument that no one's talking about all the news stories are covering like i said cbs interviewed me but they don't want to talk about the bait ban causing it so we live in a, a a pretty liberal state right now. I didn't know we were because we elected Trump the first time, but now we're now apparently we're liberal and we love our governor who was literally a terrorist to us during COVID. But so this woman, because she's hot, th- it's she is a little bit hot. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that'll get you. We going to South Dakota. She's hot too. Uh, but anyhow, you go through it and you start looking at that bill. It goes all the way up through because the hunters freaked out about it. The DNR took our side and proposed it to be eliminated. And our governor, who's hot, has never hunted a day in her life, vetoed it to keep it in place. So it's like that law is causing it. Then you have these hunters that do go up for four or five days a year. And they're like, well, you know, now we've got antler point restrictions in some areas, which you could make a case for in this state because that's, you know, our doe to buck ratio is like anywhere from 25 to 1 to 50 to 1. So... We're kind of idiots when it comes to deer in general. Like we really need to earn a buck program or something like that. Like we need to harvest doe. Um, And that was actually caused by my dad's dad's generation, my grandfather's generation. We had no deer left. So they were like, don't shoot does. So then they taught their kids, don't shoot does. So my dad thinks don't shoot does. And they're teaching us don't shoot does. So it took me like in my hunt camp to be like, yo, we got to shoot some does. You know what I mean? So everyone's shooting four corns every year, and we just wiped out our buck population, and no one wants to shoot does, and now you can buy a doe tag easy in Michigan. Long story short, you've got antler point restrictions, and you've got a bait ban, making it so hard for a hunter to succeed who still thinks he shouldn't shoot a doe. That's what's killing the numbers. And then you're losing participation from those part-timers, because they're not getting deer because they're either not seeing what they can harvest or they're losing interest because of all these new laws. And in Michigan, you know, you jump on your side by side and your bow case isn't zipped up all the way and you're in handcuffs. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, the, the laws we have are asinine. We don't have a dove and season. Then, and we then don't... you
1: got to be scared you're going to end up on TV because yeah. the, the Michigan – Oh, yeah, DNR got, has the TV show.
0: Yeah, that one show, the the Wardens or whatever it is, it's on, like, uh, one of those crappy channels. It's hey, it, a great show. I yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like your zo- bowl case isn't <laughs> slipped up all the way, so you're getting jumped by the police for it. I mean, it's like the laws here are so insane that it's making it harder for people to participate. So I think the deer numbers being down is because of the bait ban, is because of the antler point restrictions, because of misinformation about shooting does, Because of people scared to eat meat that has chronic wasting disease, even though that's not a thing, there's so many problems with it that it's like dwindling the numbers, but yet the people that are hunting are like me and you, who care a lot, so we're like overpopulating the lottery system, and we're going to have this giant dump off in about 10 years, and all we're going to be left with is this, we're going to be like the blue haired girl, we're going to be the loudest, smallest group, Mm -hmm. is what it's going to be. And what we need to do is like get people involved to a certain level, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at least deer hunt once a year, buy a license, please. Like that's what we need. But or we have to figure out how to make what we do as hunters in a smaller group more effective. I don't really know what the answer is, but that's like the problem.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like one of the, you don't know what you're going to do until you're in the situation. Like how do? You,
0: like until you're faced with the issue, how do you? How do you respond? Right. But I think. The other thing is, though, like, I want that for people. Like, when I meet people, I like to think I'm a good person. Like, when I meet people, I want good for people, right? You meet someone, it's like, they're talking about wanting to go duck hunting for the first time. I'm like, I want to hold their hand and take them. You know, we just did a squirrel hunt this weekend for uh, SCI, and there was a bunch of first-time squirrel hunters there, and it was awesome, like, to see so many people getting out for their very first hunt. It was, like, negative two degrees. We didn't even see a squirrel but it was, like, the worst. But these other – uh was sure last hunt for those folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, some of the groups got – like, one of the cool things, too, is, like, we donated a gun. And uh, this one group, the female group, it was, like, they were they had just learned to hunt, and they had, like, they were being mentored. And the guy that took them out had a dog, and they actually ended up getting, like, four or five squirrels. So they, they ended up winning the women's th- division, and now they're hooked. But, yeah, I, it's a bit of a rant, but I think it's just important that, like – we still advocate to bring new people into the sport, and I think the diversifying of species is good, too, because, like, like the alligator episode we just did on History, we went out and bought an over-the-counter tag for, I think, over-the-counter, for over-the-owner. Yeah. Yeah, like, we got a tag because we met somebody that could get a tag for alligator. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, something you can do, too, is, like, if somebody really wants to do an alligator hunt, you can figure it out. Yeah, definitely. You want, you want to go crabbing? You can figure it out. You want to go? I mean, there's just so much to do. That's what's great about the United States. It's the only it's the only country where poor people get to do it too, which is awesome.
2: A hundred percent. And I think you know you hit on something here in that last sentence. If you want to do it, um, and the field to fork movement has obviously been super keyed in on over the last you know x number of years great point but like hunting is not easy um it is not cheap it is not comfortable generally um (laughs) lord knows and it's not it is not as inclusive maybe is not the right word but to some extent i think it's the right word welcoming as it used to be yeah welcoming because like i'm not gonna go share a deer spot with people i like you guys or people i don't like right you know like i I ain't sharing those spots now a squirrel hunt yeah i'll go walk around in the squirrel woods or going to a duck hunt with somebody um but if you don't know somebody to get you introduced the learning curve is insanely steep i mean like can you imagine if you know nothing you're 30 years old right now and you're like i want to go shoot a deer next year like the odds of you being successful in your first couple seasons is extremely low. Sure. Not, not to mention you're, you're going to be cold you're going to be spending money. Maybe you don't have a rifle. And so I, I think the barriers to entry are, you know, a lot larger today than they used to be because of the generational fall off. And so many people being raised in families where it was a grandpa or an uncle, or a dad or a mom or whoever it was that took you out. Like if you don't if you don't have that network, it's it's a hard thing to realize that you want to do.
0: I think that's why I have that love for people that want to try it, because to be honest with you, I've been there. My dad got me into deer hunting and my dad got me into bluegill fishing slash ice fishing. That's what my dad knew how to do well. That's what he took me to do and that was the experience. He never duck hunted. He never upland hunted. He never did any of that other stuff. He was the guy that hunts five to six days a year because that's what he could get off from work, right? So when Jeffrey and I wanted to get our first duck boat, we saved up our allowances because he lived across the street from me since we were five, and we pooled our money to get our first duck boat, pooled our money to get our first shitty motor, and Jeff got ripped off by the guy because he sprayed carb cleaner or like the igniter stuff into it and got it to start for him, but he didn't know. He's like, yeah, he sprayed something on it, and then it started. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, but even just getting the motor and getting the equipment, then like we got out there our first time to go to a managed waterfall area. This is actually a good story for you. You like this first time we went out to a managed waterfall area. I think I've told this before. We didn't know anything. We went to Harson's Island, right? And uh, <clears throat> we walk in, and our plan was there's like 80 groups. Our plan was to like see close to where other people were picking, and then we pick in an area that seemed like it was near. Where people wanted to be right So they call our number we're drawn First and like I'm like We're screwed I don't know a damn thing And not only that we're gonna walk up and make Idiots of ourselves because we're gonna pick a bad zone In front of all these people right (laughs) So we go um we go up to The thing I'll never forget this I feel A tap on my shoulder and it's like an older guy he's probably In his 60s 70s And he goes pick zone 26 And I was like okay He's like you got a boat I was like yeah He goes pick zone 26 and uh I remember thinking, and Jeffrey kind of whispers to me, he goes, he heard that we don't know what we're doing. You think he's messing with us or you think he's helping us? I said, well, even if that was 50, 50, that's still better than me picking off of 120 part. You know what I mean? Like, even if he's messing with me. Yeah. So we pick zone 26 and uh, I remember walking up and John Darlin uh, was the guy then he was the managed waterfall guy then. And he's like, good pick. And I was like, okay, cool. So then we go out, and I, I to this day, I, at the time, I was still wondering if the guy was messing with us or helping us. Even the guy at the counter, I trust no one. This is yeah, his cutthroat. Yeah. So we get out there, and we go, and it's like it becomes abundantly clear, quick, quick, even though we suck at hunting because we're 16 years old and don't have a damn clue what we're doing. This is where you want to be. <laughs> like oh, There's ducks awesome. everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm like, geez, we ended up only getting two. If we could go there now, I would have banged out a limit in like five minutes. Oh, but, you know, awesome. it's just we suck so bad. Like, I'm trying to shoot, like, I knew how to rifle shoot, but I had never even shot a clay before. So we're shooting behind everything, and, like, we don't know what we're doing, but, like, it was our first experience. So I've come from that. Like, I came from that to where we are now is, like, I've been down the road of learning from scratch and having people mess with you, having people be nice to you. I've seen everywhere in between. I decided from that day I was always going to be the old guy that tapped people on the shoulder and be like, do this, you know? Which is know. seemingly there's not many Hunters out there like that No The joke is I made a career out of being that old guy Like I committed to that yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm tapping people on the shoulder Every day on our show But uh Yeah I just always remember that story As like touched my heart a little bit That's like I wish I could go back and be like, I don't know what kind of level of impact He really had on me
2: Because yeah. I think
0: about that all the time You know how m- He might be dead now He's probably dead
1: That's crazy I mean that was
0: 15 years ago God, plus rest his <laughs> soul Yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing well at this age? I mean he was old then. No. He was old enough that like he was passing on that information cuz he was about done with it. Oh, so yeah. he was about
3: to
2: die. Isn't that interesting though? Like a 3 second interaction had the ability to to some extent change the course of your life. We have that opportunity and you are making the most of it. And I just made an ass of myself because I'm not making the most of <laughs> nah,
0: it. No, <laughs> no, no. I think it's different. In <laughs> I think like, deer spots are different.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, there are some things.
1: Like, like wh- what? You give up your deer spot and then now you don't get to do it? Okay. <laughs> like,
0: Well, at the end of the day, that guy wasn't going to get first picked that day no matter what. <laughs> yeah. you know. it's has
3: going to be part of the journey. It's like you know your spots because yeah. of the experience and whatnot. So it's like you had to start somewhere. And eventually, you knew what you what you knew. Right. I re- if you were just given spots from the beginning, That's- who knows how the trajectory would have gone?
0: Yeah, if you go out and slaughter ducks, I remember we got two, but I got a green head that day. And actually, my grandma had that picture. There's a frame picture. It was like a shitty picture too, because like the cell phones blew then. I actually think we took a little disposable out, and uh, um, but my grandma has a picture. She's dead now, but it was up in her house and me <laughs> holding the duck. <laughs> it was a green head, and I'll never forget that first duck, man. And then, like, we were cleaning it. We breasted it out, and I ate it that night, even though now I would have aged it and done all these different things. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not great, but I can eat it. Let's go tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. And uh, <clears throat> But I remember, too, is, like, learning those different spots and, like, knowing which spots were good. And then, like, overhearing a conversation one morning we were at the managed Waterfall thing, because that year we went, like, 15 times. And I overheard a conversation they're like, oh, yeah, it's a west wind today. So you're not going to want to be over there. And I was like, west freaking wind. <laughs> now I got to know what west is and wind on top of it. Like, damn, there's always something else.
1: <laughs> I feel like a good way to represent kind of what we're saying, like, is like taking it to like the deer stand is like, I won't give up my spot, but I'd be perfectly willing to help you through that. Make your spot. Yeah. Where do you think we should go? I'll help you find a spot, but I'm not giving you mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yours. Deer your spots are different too, though, because it's like your thing. Yeah. Like you go there. That's like your little – it's almost like a home. Yeah. Like well, you, you know can't, everything around you can't the live in my house, but I'll help you find an apartment. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So
1: just because it seems like interacting with so many people on the road, there's – we call it the 28 or There's this common theme. It's probably 20% of the people we run into where they're like, we don't know everything about everything. So we ask a question and then they're like,
0: you idiot. I'm not helping you. Okay. (laughs) I guess I won't ask questions then. I will tell you what too. There is something with hunting and I think it's God, but even if you don't believe in God, there is something to hunting where there is a built in karma. I I promise you it exists because like stupid things I I did when I was a kid, like Jeff and I, when we're figuring things out, I saw a direct correlation to either success later, how we got bit for it, so on and so forth. And I have found like even your dad, he was like shocked one time. I sent him pictures of these trout and he goes, I'm up there, what river were you on? And what stretch? And I sent him an on X point. And he was like, Jeez, and even he said something like, You don't do that or something like that. Like he's like, I feel guilty even going there now. Something like, I oh, gave him yeah, too yeah. much information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is something to it though that I have found that if you're just like give it all, you get it all. Yeah, I I really I truly believe that. And if you do something stupid or make a mistake or this or that, there is direct consequences to it. I I really believe that. I will say this one. Here's what I think this year. <laughs>
1: they should make a movie about it. The color, all the people blue, everything's connected.
0: <laughs> oh, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe Awa <laughs> and we can call it. Yeah, yeah. Avatar's real, and you know it. It's a it's a it's about the future. No one is kidding. Anyhow. I was going to go down a whole thing, but I don't even know that. I'm going to do it. I don't care. So I accidentally, last year, I was hunting. I only had two days down. My grandma died, not to bring it up again. (laughs) This is a different grandma. This grandma's really dead. Yeah, dead, dead. Uh, But my grandma died last year, but she died like a day before opening day of rifle. So like (laughs) buzzkill. I know. Sorry. Sorry to bring this down. Jared's like, what the hell did I get into? No, she is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Buzzkill. She's a buzzkill. So I go up, not cool, man, I'm just kidding. So we go up north for two days because I gotta be back for the funeral. My dad didn't go that year. And I didn't see any deer the first day. Second day, I see I see a deer come out. And I like no better. And I don't know what I was thinking. I sized it up. I even recorded it. Zoomed in, was in the zone. I was like, that's a nice sized doe. And it really was. It was like 120 pounds, good sized deer. I get set up on it and I didn't check the head at all. And I shoot it. It goes like ten yards. I go get it, and I go up to it, and it's a um, it's a button buck, and like there are people that will crucify you for that. I don't care. I even labeled the beat in the freezer button buck burger button buck backstrap. Like I that I like it is what it is. I shot an antlerless deer. It's a legal deer. I wasn't pumped about it. I was disappointed. If I would have double checked the head, I wouldn't have shot. They have a more squared head. It's a little bit easier to tell. Honest mistake harvested the deer didn't do anything technically wrong cooked it up or whatever rifle season this this year i did not get one shooting opportunity <laughs> at a deer except for three button bucks you're all out of grandmas yeah <laughs> jesus <laughs> grandma had nothing to do with it my point is that i actually think there's a direct correlation to me making the mistake last year of not double checking the head and shooting a button buck that this year i didn't actually get an opportunity except for a just a, a parade of button bucks I saw. <laughs> but that is all I saw this year. And I really think it was like, see, you don't shoot these. I think that's what it you was. Had a
3: lot of attempts.
0: And they were all buttons. <laughs> I knew it, how many days in the field did I have. But then during yeah, like bow season, bow season, I shot the biggest deer in my life this year, Jared.
2: Anytime you shoot something with a bow, it like, in my opinion, it adds at least 10 inches, maybe 20 inches versus a rifle. So, like. A hell yeah, for shooting the biggest buck of your life. B, like there's just something more special about bow hunting. So like it's even cooler because it was with a bow and not a rifle.
0: It was a ten point and it went one thirty. So by your math it was a one fifty. Um but it was uh yeah how great is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? It's just like that. But it was uh it was just over one thirty, but a Michigan ten point completely completely uniform one th- over 130 um it, that's big here and i'm sure there'll be hunters about be- oh, yeah. i shot 140s 150s yeah in, okay. Mi- in michigan with a 25 to one buck ratio that was a good deer.
2: most hunters will never shoot a pope and young you know 120 inch deer in their entire life
0: right right statistically right
2: so i mean i i freaking hate nothing more Than when people feel the need to caveat of like, oh, it's not the biggest buck in the woods or, oh, yeah, you know, it's 130, but it isn't the 150 I was looking for. It's like if you shot the thing and you were happy about it when you pulled the trigger, be proud of it. Be happy about it. I don't care if it's a fork, if it's a spike, if it's a button buck. If you're pumped, I'm pumped.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I will tell you this. Something wild about it. We had it aged five and a half years old. Okay. So and when we yeah. when we got it, he was ruddy as ruddy can be. I mean, he stunk to high heaven, right, dude? We processed it. I don't know what the hell happened. This was the best tasting whitetail I've ever shot. I shoot dough every year
2: because it was your biggest deer, and you shot it with a no, 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 no. Yeah. no,
0: no, no blind blind taste test. <laughs> it's placebo. Something blind taste. You tried it. Hey, no, it was. Was good. it not the best deer it you've was ever good. had? It was, it was <laughs> really good. It was. It was so good. It was weird. We've been talking about it, trying to fi- figure out what happened. The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure. Star Tier, Savage Arms, Nosler Ammunition, Boss Shot Shells, Wilderness Athlete, Fuel for the Rugged, Tracker Boats, Fish, the Finest, Eagle Fishing, Designed for the Savvy Angler, Rufus Teague, barbecues, Snacks and Spices, Rectech Grills, it's more than a grill, it's a way of life, Sea Make Your Own Waves, LEM Products, Motivating People to Hunt, Process and Prepare Their Own Food, Quiet Cat, The Leader in Electronic Bikes for Hunting, Fishing, Camping and Exploring, Consistency. That's what you aim for with every practice shot. So when you're out in the field, you get that same consistency every shot. With Carlson's Choke Tubes, consistency is what you'll get. Our Choke Tubes are long-lasting, high-quality, and made right here in the USA. Carlson's Choke Tubes. Pattern-tested. Hunter-approved. Find out more at ChokeTube.com.
2: Are you anxious to get going knowing that the clock is ticking and time truly is the most precious commodity in the world? Then you, my friend are in good company. think in a blind taste test that you could tell the difference between like you know if I set a backstrap of a moose, an elk, a mule deer a whitetail, an antelope like, do you think you would do worth a damn at a blind taste test of species of ungulate?
0: Like like I, identifying the meat? I think I'd do better than most right. but I know what you're driving at. But I think I would do better than most. Mainly, cause like, agree. I agree.
2: I mean, I have I have elk, antelope, moose, and both species of well, whitetail and mule deer in my freezer <laughs> right now. And I'm telling, you, like antelope, I think I could tell because it's like yeah. that meat is so tender and it almost like has a melt in your mouth type sensation in my opinion. I think I'd get antelope right, but after that, I, I don't think I could moose and bear. Yeah, I I
1: I think I could. I think I, I could
2: too. I like if you well. Now, you guys ought to test this because you got- We have those things. But to to put a, a a scale on it, I'm sure you guys have seen this with cheap beer. And done. I was at a bachelor party, I don't know, like a year ago, and somebody was getting all cocky that they could tell every type of beer. So I went and grabbed like six different beers. Nice. You know, light beers that were talking like PRs, Bushes, <laughs> Miller, whatever. I think there was eight people that did it and nobody did better than three for six. And most people got like their favorite beer wrong. I mean, it was, it was, it was impressive how horrible people were at it.
0: You know, you and I, Jared, we're, we're two of the only people that have enough meat to actually pull this test off. We have pronghorn. We have moose. We have buffalo. We have whitetail. elk. We have, we're out of elk. We got no elk. I have elk. No. Oh, you still have elk? Yeah. What are you little hoarder? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm hoarding no so no I really
2: it. think it would be an interesting test because, like, there's a lot of people out there that are like, "Oh, meal deer are super sagey. I only turn them into brats and sausage." No, and this, that, and the other. no, no, so, no, no, no. People, people I mean, are it. so people stupid. Are oh, the worst. mature bucks in the rut you know they taste terrible you can't eat that without you know this that or the other thing and every time somebody says anything like that i'm like i think it would be whatever you either have some really acute buds, or you're off your rocker
1: yeah that i i think it would be an insanely hard test to like complete you can't no you're not doing the Oh, it's got an oaky afterbirth type deal. Afterbirth?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like the wine stuff. Afterbirth for sure isn't in there, though. Um, AJ, why don't you talk about that for a second? Because, so, give you a little background, Jared. Uh, AJ never hunted a day in his life. Grew up in a household without any hunting. His background is in television and production, but now he's technically been on more hunts than anybody else. And it's funny... Talk about how you started out with trying Wild Game from people mm-hmm. cooking it for us to where you are now, where you're the head chef at the place. <laughs> right.
3: So, I mean, like, like <laughs> I said, complete novice, obtuse on all fronts. Um, so I, I would try most venison, and I thought it was terrible, beyond, beyond <laughs> eating I'm not eating it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
0: And then we had bad experiences. He kept getting shit from people that were like making chili where they burned me. But they're claiming
3: they know what they're doing. They claim that they are are good and they know how to taste things. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, And then so like you know around year five, we started doing our own thing and we're like we're not going to listen to these people anymore, and started processing, cooking and creating certain dishes our own way. Like daily. Yeah. And then I'm like, these they're turning out really really good. And then I came to the conclusion that, like, everyone has to be just straight idiots. That's claiming that they're good. They don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but I would say that we've come a long way where – which is why we can probably say we're confident in detecting certain meats because we've gone through this process – We've become obsessed. Yeah, we've gone through this process of not really doing what normal people do. And if they say they're good at it, chances are they're probably not.
1: In the last two to three years, I would say that, like, our – meat prep like our butchering skills have like mm-hmm. gotten exceptionally better just like people are like just on tend to be just under the threshold of having enough respect for the meat to do it properly yeah like they're just it, they're
3: it, almost there but they don't quite it, get and it It takes time it's a lot of time-consuming activities to make it good which i think a lot of people skip yeah which is why it doesn't <clears> look good.
0: i think too is like um i tend to err on the side of like over prepping so like some people don't trim all the silver skin or they don't do this so they don't do that whereas i tend to be really adamant about doing those things and people be like oh will you lose five percent of the meat that way it's like well if 95 percent of the meat is fantastic then i'm okay with that so i tend to lean that way i have respect for people that do it the other way like um so i got a friend so we did a bison hunt shot two bison one was male one was female so that could play into it a little bit but When we were butchering them, we kind of did them as a group. There was huge groups of us just – we had a huge table set up. Somebody was shooing away the flies, and we were going to work. It was actually pretty fun. We had music going and talking about girls and whatnot. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we're butchering them, and my buddy's making a pile for his sausage and burger that I'm, like, looking at it, and AJ looks at me because AJ's still learning. He's like, what do you think about that? I was like, that's not what my pile will look like. I was like, because I, w- I would take that out. I would take that out or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> I was talking to him, I don't know, a couple months later, and I was like, how's your buffalo going? Because our, our bison is the greatest meat ever, and people started, we gave some out, and now people are getting greedy, and it's <laughs> a almost a gone. Bit, yeah. yeah, people, uh, It's it's the only meat, it's the only meat we've ever given out where people came back to ask if we had more of it. Yeah. Like people getting weird about it. And I asked him, I was like, how is yours? He's like, dude, I can't get the family to eat. It's too gamey. And I was like, what? Because ours isn't at all. So, and he's cooking it right because he's a chef. So, I don't know. I think over preparation is good. And I think we need to focus more on preparing meat videos because we have gotten really good at it. Because, again, we're idiots that were just best friends that wanted to do this. But when we started out, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. So, everything is like acquired knowledge from trips and meeting people and stuff like that. You know? So, I
2: I mean, I 100% agree that like the biggest factor in your meat tasting good is did you care for it properly and in a timely manner? Because, like, antelope, antelope is the, like, maybe outside of bear, the most polarizing meat that I know about. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, it is terrible. But then there's a fair amount of people that are like, it's the best meat on the planet. And that's where I fall. Like <clears throat> the antelope that I've eaten is my favorite meat of all time ever. But when I shot my antelope, I skinned them out, quartered them out, put them on ice, you know, aged them for a couple days, butchered him myself, process you know, ground the meat myself. I didn't go to anybody for anything. So that's um the best and way. I think like yep. people most people shoot antelope when it's 80 degrees out, right? Right. If you don't get that that's, that cape off of them and that meat cooled. I bet it does taste like dog shit <laughs> if you left it in the back of your truck in 80 degrees for 15 hours. So like, what a shock. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree
0: with you. I will say this, too. Having the right equipment to do it is helpful. And so we're, yes. we're, we're partnering with LEM. And, dude, we had just the – we have one of the giant – what is that it's a like? Mixer. One and a half horsepower or something like that? Some, it's huge. This this grinder, we didn't even get it out of the thing yet. We've been using the half horsepower and we've done bison, moose, everything ourselves. And it, I mean, their their big bite grinders are awesome. Yeah. So for those of you
1: who and dig the green outdoors, the biggest perk of that it has a foot pedal, <clears throat> so you can step on it to
0: get it going. Oh, that yeah. thing is the best thing ever. Because otherwise, you're always so, clicking and clacking and yeah spreading
3: i
2: actually found like having a meat grinder like kicks ass a i have a commercial vacuum sealer not one of those right 90 food savers but a commercial vacuum sealer that like needs oil changes every 25 (laughs) hours. yeah (laughs) yeah that thing is amazing i have a dehydrator that thing kicks ass but like it takes a while to acquire all of those things Sure, because they all cost a fair amount of money But wholeheartedly agree if you don't have, I mean, shoot, even as simple as like some meat tubs are so awesome to have rather than filling up like nine metal bowls of meat. I just got, I got two.
0: No, I just did. I just bought them. When I went with Pete, I bought them. Nice. Yep. I got three. They probably cost
2: like 40 bucks and something I like never thought was going to be that valuable, but like, Holy shit, they're amazing. Um, But like, if you don't have those things, it's a royal pain in the ass to do it properly.
0: Um, Lem actually just came out. You'll dig this too. They just came out with a cordless. I want that vacuum so seal. Cordless, so like you don't have to plug it in. You just either batteries or charge yeah. it, one yeah. or the other. But uh, <clears throat> that's gonna be they 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 said get something like
1: sixty seals. So like if like my application was what hunting woodcock in Upper Michigan. You go out on your hunt, you come back, you feel dress your birds, stick them in that thing, seal it up, and stick it in a cooler, and it's good to go. Yeah. Other, otherwise, it they have to six, sit there.
2: That's 60 seals is going to get you through most white tailed deer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like if you shoot a, if you, shoot a you know, a, a hundred, you know, a buck that dresses at 150, 160 pounds. You know, like, you're not really getting more than, what, maybe 70 pounds of meat off right. of a really mature whitetail. Right. And if you can steal 60 bags, you're good to go.
0: I 100% agree. 100% agree. Doesn't, don't these conversations, like, make you want to nod into a big piece of meat off the grill now? Yes. Yeah, I always pumps me up. I'm going to go thaw out something. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we let everyone go, uh, you guys also – give back quite a bit and you work really hard at creating access. And you guys just finished an access program. I don't want to start guessing at the numbers. I wanna say it was like a crazy number that you added access and also a crazy amount of miles of new trails for public access. Talk to us about that program.
2: We have an access and stewardship well I'll call it a branch of Onyx that um we have multiple employees where that is all they're focused on is access and stewardship projects. So we have um set aside budget for our grant program for you know if you have a a land trust or if you are working to uh clean up some section of river or you know whatever the project may be if it falls within the cohort or the the realm of opening up access for hunters or uh doing stewardship projects that is going to lead to improved habitat you know improved uh degradation of you know degraded lands whether it's trash cleanups removing fence whatever um you know we have a whole pretty stiff budget that we give back to those grant programs to help facilitate those things as well as do a bunch of internal projects and so um i believe it was the 3 year goal of opening up 150,000 acres of access and forging 150 miles of new trails Uh, And so we are going to meet both of those goals uh, by our overarching three-year goal uh, for those things. I think by the end of 2023, uh, we reached both of those goals. And it's really, it's because of partners of ours, you know, partners like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who they do incredible work at opening up access and acquiring lands. Um, We did a really cool project with Pheasants Forever, uh, a couple of them actually, last year at pheasant fest there is this grant money in minnesota that if we were able to reach you know an x threshold of dollars that we poured into this this grant fund the state of minnesota could they, they had a a budget reserve that if a threshold of dollar amount was raised they could 40 x that dollar amount to improve and acquire new habitat in the state of minnesota so like us and our partners at Final Rise were like, "All right, we can put forth that money." We hosted a party to raise some more money with buying drinks and such, um, and you know it ended up as some multi-million dollars that went into improving habitat and uh, acquiring new lands in in Minnesota. And we're currently in the process of of a path program, which essentially, in short, is improving. Uh, hundreds of thousands of acres uh in south dakota and, and so like we're always on the lookout for opportunities and, and so often they happen at the you know the 501c3 level um or with the state agency partnership to really like leverage those benefits that that those um entities have in order to incite you know really meaningful projects because opening up 25 of uh 25 acres of access through you know some acquisition in the state of wisconsin is great you know if we're able to put two hundred thousand dollars down and, and buy some piece of land that we're able to turn into public ground but there are way more programs out there than most people realize that help to multiply those funds when it goes back to you know habitat improvements or opening up access and so I'm just stoked that I think we, we opened that branch, if you will, of Onyx maybe four years ago. Um, And I think there are three or four full-time employees that that's all they're focused on is opening up more access and doing stewardship boots on the ground to improve uh, the habitat that is available uh, for, for us hunters across the nation.
0: Incredible. Incredible. That is really interesting i if there if there wasn't a reason to go check out the app that right there is just something you want to be giving back to and you need people like this to have funds to be able to do stuff like that jared this conversation was awesome man we got to do an actual hunt together
2: let's do it i uh i would love nothing more and i mean you guys got me out of two two back-to-back meetings by running this uh An hour long, so I won all around (laughs) (laughs) hanging out with you boys and I would love nothing more than than to share camp and I really do hope that you guys put the uh the meat species test uh we're gonna do it. We'll do it we'll do it. I'll be wildly interested to see how you guys do, and I won't be betting on any of you. Oh, come on, <laughs> come,
1: on. come on! We'll oh, give you some odds. I, I think it. I think it'll be hard, but I, th- you'll definitely be able to tell a difference in the meats, whether you get it right or not. <laughs> I,
0: you're like, you got to cook them all exactly the same. I'm like, okay, but I got black bear in there. <laughs> Medium rare, it is.
2: Sure you Have a backstrap cut of of each of the however many species. Yeah. Throw oh, them on the grill. You know, don't don't spice and fancy them up too bad. Salt and pepper, just to... yeah. You know, just like a simple seasoning across the board. And I agree, Ryan. Like you'll be able to be like, okay, this one's a little bit gainier than that one. But like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that people will be like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that awesome. stagey deer that I hate to eat. You know
0: what I think the only problem is with us doing it is I think. We have eaten some of all of those things. And every animal kind of has a unique taste to it, I think, as far yeah. as like not species, but every animal.
2: Kyle's, Kyle's pumping his own freaking shoes up. Here. I know, I'm he's, telling you. He's talking like he's going to go four for
3: four. I know. We till the end thens come. Six for <laughs> six. <sick. laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <clears throat> we're They're making a joke about when I was a kid and Jeffrey and I were playing horse, like, you know, with the basketball. I like one of the things I would do to cheat would be like I'd shoot and miss and it would hit like the backboard. I'd be like, and then you got to catch it and then you got to shoot it and then you got to miss again and then you oh, got to. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're circling up on those bits.
1: So into adulthood <laughs> when he's losing, he
0: goes, and then. <laughs> well, that's how you got to do it. But, man, it was great hanging out with you. Uh, we appreciate it. We have a new um, vlog series coming out for the audience that doesn't know Obviously, we have a main TV show on the History Channel. It's on History Streaming. Pretty soon, it's going to be available on Roku, Tubi, Carbon TV, everything else as well. You'll be able to stream that. We have a new season coming out this year. In addition to that, we have a weekly video vlog. Yes. I shouldn't say video vlog, just vlog. But The reason why we have the vlog is because we want to interact with our audience every single week with like the hunting and fishing adventures that we're doing. We might be putting together a diesel generator for our ice fishing shack, we might be ice fishing overnight. We might be hunting rabbits. We might be doing anything. We just started it in January. Mm-hmm. The first episode, we went out and actually tried out the new 400 Legend uh, for the uh, for the limited whitetail zones. Uh, Lord knows I couldn't get a deer, but we did teach you about the ammo, the ballistics, all those sorts of things. So I think that this taste test would be the the perfect vlog where I could cook them all up. Yeah, we could test them all out, sort them blindfold do it and uh, um, but you'll have to check out the vlog series it's on carbon tv as well as our youtube channel and obviously we have a weekly video podcast every single week right here as well the podcast comes out on mondays the vlogs come out on fridays and then watch for our announcement date for season two on history channel thanks so much for tuning in stay green